0: And welcome once again to From the Center, a podcast by the Center for Western Studies. I'm Jack Val on faculty at the Center for Western Studies, joined as always by my friend and colleague, the director for the Center of Western Studies, John Hodges. Sir, how are you? I am well. Thank you, sir. I'm very well.
1: Doing great. Um, enjoying, enjoying the uh, transition from one house to the next. We're, right. we're recording today in our old house, aren't we? We've yeah. done most of our recordings in this studio, and now we're moving out to the next one. But so, today they were out there making a lot of noise.
0: So, so here saying, we are. Maybe we should stay here. Your quiet suburban original home. Right. Where there's only leaf blowers and trash <laughs> trucks.
1: And yes, yes, yes. We'll yes. be fine.
0: It is a chilly day outside. Yesterday
1: being a holiday too they usually take the trash away on Mondays we are so grateful by the way for our trash people mm-hmm. you know in this move we're just generating all sorts of trash and it's, to throw away and, and it's they freez- are just
0: great it's freezingly cold outside oh my gosh so. it's
1: really very cold So yeah.
0: yes i cannot imagine
1: i don't think we can pay people enough to take away our garbage?
0: No, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree. think that's. The, I've I've seen my garbage. I know it's, what's in there. You know
1: what's <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. And we, what could what would we do without them? I there. I, I remember reading a really very good uh, Wendell Berry essay on uh, on that, and he says the problem is we generate too much trash, and and uh, we have to hire people to come and take it away from us. But um, so he thinks it's not a very good use of our uh, resources. You see, we're kind of. Uh, wasteful that way mm. However, uh, given the circumstances Of our wasteful day mm-hmm. We are really grateful <laughs> That it doesn't just pile up in our backyard And, uh, and overwhelm yeah. us
0: Wall- Wall-E, immortalized Trashman yeah, forever Yeah, you sure did, didn't he? Yeah, a great, did. interesting movie People don't know that It's all about garbage collectors It certainly is And they can be awesome to you <laughs> And an entire planet, basically Of garbage mm-hmm. So Hodges, what's anyway. on your mind? well what's wrinkling your brain
1: i am wrinkled i'm sure by the time this comes out everyone will have heard of this uh gillette commercial mm-hmm. uh, uh on toxic masculinity they mm-hmm. we call it a commercial they're calling it a short film i think it's a commercial about <laughs> two minutes long so it makes it a short film but it makes it a long commercial <laughs> yeah, and uh pretty that's, sure
0: they, they're doing it, that so it can be categorized for awards or something, uh,
1: maybe should. so an advertisement is expensive, even at thirty seconds. Right. So to make it for two, what is it? Two, two minutes, minutes long. Yeah. Uh, to make it two minutes long uh, means that they are committed to this thing. They really want to see this uh, out there, and they think it's important enough to uh, to do. And so, what I'd like to do is talk about the kind of picture that it paints of our masculinity, mm-hmm. and uh, engage with the. The larger picture of uh, of our culture today, the what they call the Me Too movement, and the and the question really about is uh, is masculinity being redefined, uh, and if so, who's doing the redefining, Mm. you know, and how? Uh, You've seen the ad, I guess. Yes, I have. You've seen it. You, you and I both have beards so we probably ignored it greatly but uh. Uh,
0: I, uh, there are days I just hate being a millennial. you I did just, <laughs> I just I don't know why like why God why? why was I born into this generation mm, mm. I here's I remember watching it and this after I walked away from it and I thought about it here's what I was going through my brain. I was like if all this commercial was trying to do, and if you haven't seen it, I go like I don't know. Pause and go watch it. Like yeah, it's just it's just it's two minutes. Okay, just go watch it, then come back. Okay, did you do it? Okay, good. We're back. Um, were uh, you going to give spoilers? Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Yeah, you know, Tim dies in the end or something. Like that.
1: <laughs> the, hmm. the space aliens arrive and save <sighs> the day,
0: but they turn out to be actually the villains. Uh, <laughs> I I remember thinking if all this ad was doing, if all it was doing is just saying. Men, don't be jerks. Yeah. And men don't be jerks in a particularly mannish way. Because okay? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. ironically, I do agree with the uh, gendering of jerkiness that the commercial kind of does. It, mm-hmm. seems, it implies mm-hmm. that there's a particular way men can be jerks that women can't. And there's also ways that women can be jerks that men can't. Why? Because the genders are different. Ha ha. So I, I, right, if, right. That, if that's all it was saying, it's just guys, don't be jerks. And don't be jerks in a particularly male way, and don't raise jerks, and don't encourage jerkiness Mm -hmm. in other guys, Uh or tolerate it in other guys. Demand better of them, and demand better of yourself. I was was like, if that's all it was trying to say, then what's the problem? Like, where's the controversy? That seems like good old-fashioned, chivalric, gentlemanly... Traditional sexual norms, you know, the whole thing. Right? It does
1: sound like they want to return to a kind of old fashioned, almost gentlemanly like yeah, attitude. And, and, or at least that that would be a
0: solution for that problem if that were the problem. Right. So I was like, well, what? I was like, I didn't understand. If that's all it was saying, then I wouldn't understand the controversy. The thing is, is that it used the term toxic masculinity. Right. And as soon as that got thrown in there, I think that's where just everything collapses and falls apart in everybody's minds. Like, you're just like, that's the part where I think that's where the controversy was. I almost feel like if they had not said that term, mm-hmm. people would still kind of pick it up. But I would almost feel like it would be at that point just vague enough and like, well, where do you actually fall on, like, issues or terms that anybody could just pick it up and say, oh, it's a feminist. I can, no, no, anybody can appreciate this. No, it's a fit. No, but uh-huh. they use the term. Toxic masculinity. Right. And that carries a lot of weight. It carries a lot lot of of, weight. It has a lot of certain ideological baggage behind it that you're either for or against. And that's where it exploded. And I said I sometimes hate being a millennial. And I may have jumped the gun there because one of the reasons why, which we can get to later, is I feel like I've mentioned this in other podcasts, but I feel like our ethical discussions today have been hijacked by a particularly materialist version of things. Right. And so nobody thinks. Thinks about that they just have these terms that they think are useful and they don't understand where it's coming from and so i want to talk about yes men don't be jerks but i don't want to use the term toxic masculinity Uh and it's not because it's not and i don't think it's for the usual reasons why some people don't want to use toxic masculinity it's not because i want to own the libs or the feminazis or the whatever like term you know uh Pejorative, we want to use it's because I disagree with the philosophical underpinnings of the very term. I believe there is a kind of masculinity that is sinful. Like, I think that's our word, but I, anyways, it's just you watch the video and I'm like, this shouldn't be controversial, but they use toxic masculinity as a term, right? And that's the part where it's like, oh, okay,
1: well, and and they. <clears throat> When you say toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're condemning the entire gender uh, sex with with a broad brush, don't you think? It's yeah. saying that masculinity itself is the problem? That's the problem. Uh, now, here's is, the problem. But- is that what you hear when you... When, is that what a millennial hears when he hears that term? That's the problem with that term is okay.
0: because you could flip it and use it either way. Yeah. Because, you know, more extreme types would say yeah masculinity is the problem masculinity means domination and violence and you know if we you know took out all men's manhood one way or another then yeah. it, it, we all society would be better right. then there are others who say no 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 look at the what is it look at the adjective hodges it's not masculinity it's Toxic masculinity.
1: That's different. So, so there is such a thing as masculinity that's good, but we're only talking about the kind of
0: masculinity that's toxic. That's is that what they're that second wave? Would be? That's what I want to talk about. Um, but remember, gosh, what did I say earlier? I hate being a millennial. Look, this is what we've been born into, Hodges. Masculinity and femininity are completely arbitrary constructions that are built by a society that uh, that the discourse is always owned by the powerful, so they can produce the sort of results they want. And so masculine and femininity are things that are produced by those in power to arbitrary constructs to, like, fit people into a certain mold so they can have the kind of society that they want. So it's already, like, undermined from the beginning. But then they want to turn around and say, well, there's toxic masculinity. And then you're like, well, what do you mean? Do you mean, like, because if masculine and feminine are just arbitrary constructs constructs of those in power, then that would kind of imply all masculinity is potentially toxic because even if it's nice— it's still being used by those it's still something a product of like tyranny mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so even if it's nice it's still bad but there are people who want to be like no 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 we mean ma- there's like a toxic masculinity and then there's a well a, what? Like, a what? Exactly? Exactly. what? Well there's a masculine well what's that masculinity? Well, I guess anything you want it to be, so can I be toxic? No. no. Okay. <laughs> do you do you understand well, do yeah, people, I see the frustration? Do, do the audience I... out there understand why I always say I'm frustrated? Yeah. It's really hard being a, a millennial. It's like you have been we have been handed a very, very poor deck. <laughs> uh... Intellectually especially. Well what I hear <coughs>
1: excuse me what i hear is 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 that there's a possibility for something called masculinity that's acceptable uh, in their minds mm-hmm. i'm just trying to put my my uh, head into their heads, just mm. think their thoughts after them for a minute. Yeah. It seems like to give them the best spin uh, of it possible that that to call something toxic masculinity means that there is a masculinity that is acceptable, good, and right, and that there is a, a, a masculinity that that veers into uh, do, doing damage, toxic. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then they don't define that very well in this ad. Mm. Seems to me because they use. Several scenes it's just scene after scene if you've watched the ad now you know scene after scene of uh, of situations where uh men are doing what they would consider toxic, and one of them is little boys wrestling at a at a barbecue, yeah. And I, to tell you the truth, I didn't see anything wrong with that at all. Yeah. I, boys like to wrestle with each other, and that's part and parcel, and here's where the problem is, part and parcel of the nature of boys, <gasps> which flies in the in the face of all that you just said millennials want to have. Dare about, you. about if you. If you're going to define masculinity as a social construct, well, okay, then you'd have to go the way you just described, and I think there are going to be all sorts of pitfalls and contradictions and... And frankly, I don't want anybody else defining masculinity for me. I'd rather have God do it. But if the, the Christian model, of course, is that there is such a thing as a God who designed us the way he did and that we have certain natures and those natures are uh, 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 significant and in, uh, in the fiber of our being and can't be uh, changed but can be adjusted, can be guided mm-hmm. um, and in those, uh, at the same time, those natures are damaged by the fall. They're they're injured by the fall, and so it's not surprising that uh, something that would be good, called masculinity, might become toxic by way of sinful behavior. So right. inherently, I don't have a problem with the term, but the way it's being used, well, like you said, there are two ways it can be used. Either it's masculinity is toxic, toxic masculinity, or it's there's a particular kind of masculinity that's toxic, which yeah. is a, a a a more sort of maybe genteel and maybe more reasonable
0: uh, approach. Yeah, I think that latter one is probably where I want to say the majority of people in good faith probably come down on. Uh-huh. Like, I like most of the people who I feel like most people who would agree with that ad have brothers and fathers and and husbands and sons and stuff and. You know, we always in the news. We always hear about the crazy ones who, like you know, I don't know. There, I can't remember. There's some lady who wrote an article about her two sons, how she's scared of them, how they're going to turn, grow up, and be rapists one day because of the culture they living in. It's yes. like, wow, mother of the yes. year. Oh, and, wow. I, and I've seen. I remember like looking in a a journal called Kill Screen. I think it was. It was a video game academic journal. Because of course. But or like <laughs> like because of course I would be reading. Of course out. that's what you'd do. Uh, where you think uh where there was some reading? like you know, they had art in there. There was a picture by this lady who was a photographer and it was like I what the picture was is irrelevant. It's just like the meaning behind it was how, you know, she uh, because she knows her husband loves her, but because he's male she knows that the oppression thing is there somehow. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I was just like, man, to be your husband, that must be that must be a barrel full of monkeys. And I I, you hear about those, but the lion's share of people, I'm pretty sure, who have sons and husbands and fathers and brothers and all that, are like, no, no, toxic masculinity bad. There's a good kind of masculinity that we need to encourage, right? And that's that's the one I think that most people are looking at. The thing, the problem with the ad is that it is a very clever. Is very what are the. Uh, the guy in Jurassic Park, clever girl. You know, oh, like, yeah, it's, it's very, yeah. it's very clever. And yes, the director was female, so that was a that was supposed to be like a pun. But anyways, it it throws in things that are problematic. Like it uses the term toxic masculinity, which has its ideological roots that are difficult and problematic, and we should probably talk about that. Um, it throws in the wrestle It throws in uh, no, no. It throws in the the, the boardroom scene where the guy is clearly being condescending to the one like woman on the board. Do you remember that part? Oh yeah, where, you know, he's I like, sure did. What what she's trying to say? I don't know. He's just he came off like some bad villain in a nineteen eighties movie. But still, <laughs> that, like that's clearly bad. Or some guy like you know. Uh, cat calling some girl. There's like things that when you looked at him, you're like, well, yeah, that's not appropriate. That's, that's not good. There's some sitcom where the woman is like just the object of the husband's desire or something like that. You know what I'm trying. Right. about. Like sure. it clearly yeah. was meant to create some cliche. Then it'll throw in things like, you know, the little boy wrestling. Right. Right. Right, which in and of itself is ambiguous because it's like, well, if they're actually trying to legitimately hurt each other, then yeah, stop them. But if they're just tumbling around, okay. Like, are yeah. they just goofing around? Because because boys are by nature rougher than girls, yeah. physically rougher than girls, and they have. And the thing is, they have to learn how to control that. And part ah, of
1: ah, now you're hitting on something.
0: And part of learning how to control that means a your parent, mainly your dad, stepping in and saying, you know, hey, when you're actually hurting someone, stop. You know, right. know where the stop is. But then also, b to tumble about and like learn how to learn actually how to do it properly and learn when it's too much and learn when it's not. You actually have to learn how to control it. That's right. So That's the, right. So the wrestling scene is like ambiguous, but it can flip either way, so it's problematic. They use the term toxic masculinity. There are probably a couple other images in there, like you know that row of guys at the barbecue. You know, it's like what's wrong with barbecuing or like cooking <laughs> or whatever. It's like there's all this, this stuff. Is
1: the generic man at his barbecue.
0: It plays it both ways so that you can cause this argument about, this is, you know, feminist propaganda. Well, it's, it's just saying men shouldn't be jerks? Why are you being such a snowflake, little male, or something like that? No, it's a Marxist conspiracy. To, <laughs> and it's uh-huh. it's just, it, it's it, this is why I said it's very clever. It comes down just enough to where there is substance there, and yet it stays just kind of both sidesy enough to where they could say, well, we're just saying guys don't be jerks. That's all we're saying.
1: Yeah. Right? So... Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it does have a kind of, um, I think it has a kind of, uh, what do they call it in psychology? Um, um, passive-aggressive attitude. Sure, yeah. It has a passive-aggressive way about it uh, that says, can always say, but I was only kidding, or I was. I didn't mean anything, I didn't... you But misunderstanding. you can get all those barbs in there first, right. and then you, yeah. Because <laughs> the, the <laughs> it's, it's frustrating to me to watch because... Uh, because I, I, I know this, this woman that made the ad. Her name, her name is uh, Kim, uh, Ge- Kim Gehrig, Gehrig. Gehrig. yeah, go. Kim Gehrig. And I've seen some of the other ads that she's made, and they are encouraging and, and maybe making, uh, making a, a, a mountain out of feminine power. Mm-hmm. So, so at the same time that she's saying you men have to be less aggressive, she's saying in other ads and other films you women should be extremely aggressive. In fact, there's a spot in the um, there's a spot in the Gillette ad where a man is looking in a mirror over his little girl's shoulder, mm-hmm. and he's telling her, "You are strong," mm-hmm. you know. Well. It seems to me that if you're talking about aggressiveness, that's what they seem to want to say is what ta- toxic masculinity is. It's aggression, aggressiveness. At the same time that they're saying it's evil for you men to be aggressive, they're saying it is very good and empowering and right and just for women to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. So instead of just calling men on uh, their their uh, jerkiness, as it were, um, what it seems to be doing is saying... I don't. I'm not applying this aggressiveness category to uh, to all people. I'm just applying it to men. So it seems like this. It's almost as though we've bought into this idea that men and women are pitted against each other in an eternal struggle for power, mm-hmm. and that men. Have a certain fi- uh, uh, physical advantage and, a, and have been allowed to be ag- more aggressive than women, as though as though society allows them to be more aggressive than women. And so, what we need to do is balance that power. It's the same kind of argument that you hear from people who say, "Well, you know, women are paid at such and such a percentage less than men are on average, mm-hmm. and that's an inequality that needs to be to be straightened out." Um, so. But but is aggressiveness inherently bad? Well, it's one thing to say we need to 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 have equal pay for equal work. That's one. That's that's not ask. That's not stating that pay itself is bad. Right. You know. It's just Otherwise, saying that,
0: why would you want an equal amount of it?
1: Exactly. And and but but apply that to power. Um, you're saying that yeah. you know men are somehow powerful and they shouldn't be, and we're supposed to take that as a moral imperative. But women are not powerful and they should be. Sounds to me like you're just a double standard.
0: That, well, it, when you go through the kind of mindless morass that is critical theory where a lot of the stuff comes flying out of, yeah. you see that weird, I don't know, like judo flip. that, like well, illegitimate judo flip, but it gets justified for mm. this very complex reason. The story is two groups are locked in an eternal struggle for power. One is always been on top and dominating. The other... So – and how they dominated the other is they created a narrative that kept the other down. Right. Because it wasn't – it's not just like through force of arms or something like that. You create a culture that tells that other side that, well, you are no good or you are yeah. inferior or our way is better and stuff like that. And that just sort of enforces it. That's right. And That's so right. the only way – so we have to write that by making everything equal. Right? We, have to, we have to level it out. The thing is that to make things equal – you have to now take power away from those on top and give right. to those on bottom because, of course, right? If one that glass, if one glass is you know too full and the other ones less full and you want them to be equal, you take some out of the full glass and you pour it into the other, right? It's so the one has to lose something in order to gain something. That's
1: right. And you see that played out in every part of our society today. You see it discussed in racial relations mm-hmm. and in and, and quota systems in, in uh, hiring and in, uh, in academia for uh, racial disparities, uh, for gender disparities. There aren't enough women in the STEM you know, yeah. So we have to, have to take some away from these and put away – it's the same idea of kind of equalizing. And, it's, and you, it seems like that's the, uh, the assumed way to view the world. That is, mm-hmm. the, look for an inequality, assume that it is oppressive, and then equalize it.
0: The other frustrating thing, and I'm just—that's just going to be my term, because it is a frustrating life. Maybe I'll start my own podcast. I wouldn't
1: recognize you, Jack, if you weren't frustrated, frustrated by something. That's right.
0: Maybe I just finally have admitted it—that being a millennial, if you're actually like paying attention, in a millennial, it's super frustrating because, <laughs> on the one hand, it's like, well, domination's bad, then tyranny is bad, and oppression's bad. You know, right? right. Isn't like, don't we sing? You know, uh, at Christmas, change shall he break for the slave is our brother in his name, all oppression shall cease. It's bad. It's bad. So we don't want that. So we want to like bring things out. Well, what do we want to do? We want to equalize. Well, Okay. I mean what do you mean? But well, I mean some things should be equal, maybe some things shouldn't. Like I don't think good and evil should be equal or right. something like that. I think maybe more maybe in terms of morality we should maintain a binary hierarchy. Let's just let's just let me just throw that out there. But okay, fine. You want everyone to have the same opportunities and be treated the same way under the law, I guess. Cool. How are we gonna do that? All right, well here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do we're gonna take the thing that the oppressive people were doing, you know, creating a narrative right. And we're going to take that thing, right, that they used to oppress, right, so it's bad, right, right. We're going to take that thing, and we're going to do the exact same thing. Hooray! Wonderful! I'm like that. Will do it. That'll do it. Okay. Sure. So if men have been being sexist all their life by creating a narrative that women are inferior because they're too emotional and they're not intelligent enough as right. men, and this is a man's world and stuff, and now if the only way to equalize that, and you know, but men, men need to be encouraged to be aggressive and ambitious, and you know, and uh, punch guys in the face, you know, or something like that. But if women start mm. doing, well, that's being hysterical and that's your emotion. Okay, if that's the narrative, then the way you equalize is you do the exact same thing the opposite direction. Now you say, oh, you create a narrative about men. Right. That, oh, they're bad and they're inferior because they're too aggressive and they're too mean and they've had too much power. But women, you know, you can kick anyone where you want and you need to be empowered and have this strength and that's really cool. It's, it's right, completely free. right. You see it across the board from like race issues yep. to the question of like imperialism. Yep. It was, in my, it was in my readings of imperialism that I recognized this for the first time because the idea was that The empire comes in and colonizes, and the way they maintain control over the colony is not merely by force of arms or by legislation, but they create a narrative whereby they tell the colony, our culture is better than yours. It's superior to yours, and yours, with all your language and dress and all that jazz, is inferior, and you ought to be like us. And it creates a hegemony. The hegemony cricket. It, it creates the the. It creates a hegemony that is hard to break. Uh-huh. Well, how do you get over uh-huh. it? Well, you create the, a. You completely flip it on its head, and you turn it back around, and basically. As a sidebar, multiculturalism was basically imperialism in reverse. It basically was right. the colonies, the former colonies, looking at the empire and creating a narrative about them, that your whole culture of Western whatever has been nothing but in patriarchal, right. violent, and it's bad. And yep. being European or British or American is bad to be that. And you should feel bad. And then they incul- they. Inculcate that, and they you ingest that, and you're like, "Oh, I guess I am bad. I'm sorry. I guess all your stuff is better than mine." It's a complete flip, yeah. and I don't want to call it reverse anything. I don't want to call it reverse sexism or reverse racism or reverse imperialism. It is just sexism. More of the same. Yeah, the whole the 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 attitude, and I can't. I'll be cautious about the Gillette ad because, again, it was a clever, it was a clever girl. It, like, played it both ways, but there is a narrative about toxic masculinity that is flatly sexist. Yeah. It's flatly sexist because it does the exact same thing that sexist men, whoever they were— did. They created a narrative about one of the sexes or one of the genders or however people want to divide that now. They created one narrative about them that said, we are superior, you're inferior, know your place. They're doing the exact same thing.
1: That's right. They're doing the That's exact right. same thing. And they feel justified by doing that on doing that because of the definition that they've given to the other side to begin with.
0: Right. Mainly, because, mainly the definition that you guys have been oppressive all this time. That's right.
1: That's right. Turnabout's fair play. Economically, people do the same thing, right? Not only not only in power, political power, but in economics. So it it happens across the board, and it's we made this assumption that wherever there's some sort of disparity, Mm -hmm. that it's inherently oppressive and it needs to be righted, Mm -hmm. and that's a kind of utopian mindset. Now, I'm not against the idea of justice. We, we we're called to be just right uh, as christians we're supposed to stand up for justice we're supposed to even uh what they call do justice that is be just i look at that as 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 being being just in our interactions and in when we find injustice we oppose it there's nothing inherently wrong with that but there is something inherently wrong with finding every disparity as a problem as an oppression or a ju- an injustice because of the fact of harmony Mm-hmm. Harmony as a concept, as a medieval concept, was, is understood in terms of music, but it was really mathematics. It was mm-hmm. all about how uh, two or more varying things can fit together to work and create a, a larger and more glorious whole. And in order to do that, you have to see the various the ways that those things work together. They, they they relate to one another. And when they are in proper relation, they're in harmony. And there's a huge difference then between harmony and equality. In music, I'll just use music as, as an example for a second. Um, equality is what you call unison. Right. Two of two at the same frequency, two pitches, at the same frequency would be unison. But no one in music thinks that a unison is harmony. Right. Harmony requires something other, another pitch that's a different pitch. It may be higher. It might be lower. And it's in certain ratio with that original pitch. And when you hear the two of them together, often accompanied by a third or fourth pitch, in relationship, within the relationship, uh, what they call uh, unit fractions of those lower pitches. I'm not going to go into all that. Some of you have heard my lectures on all this before. You know,
0: I have a, like Jonah Goldberg, I have a fatwa against all math on this podcast. Just, 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 I'm just uh, no saying. math. I'm just I, saying.
1: I was told there would be no math.
0: Uh-huh. That's your first warning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to press on with it anyway because I think it's the only way to say it that's not. That's not toxic po- political, you see. Yeah, this is yeah, a yeah. physical thing. This is something physical. Yeah. This is how this, the world actually vibrates. And so you have harmony only when you have disparate things that fit together, you see, into some sort of larger whole. We, we see it on, a, uh, on an ecclesiastical level in the New Testament where Paul talks about how uh, the Christians have, have varying gifts, they're, they've been given different gifts by the Spirit, and those gifts are supposed to work together. So you don't expect everybody to be administrator, you don't an, an administrator, you don't expect everybody to have the gift of hospitality, or speak in tongues, or to interpret tongues, or to teach, or any of those other various gifts. There's a whole list, right? Well, but but, but when the body comes together, and each has its own element. Play, uh, involved, then uh, the body actually accomplishes the goals that she, that the Lord set out for it. N- not all of us are feet, He says. Not all of us are eyes. If the eye tries to be a foot or the reverse, we have we have problems. But what if someone, one of these radical egalitarians, comes along and says, "The eye, the person with the eye, has a certain amount of power to lead the body in a way that the foot doesn't." Mm-hmm. So that's an inherent inequality and so we have to make the foot more autonomous and the eye less autonomous or something like that. Right. Well, that would destroy the body. It would ruin it, right? right? So I'm saying in the same way at least we have to be willing to consider that inequalities are not inherently oppressive. Inequalities are not inherently unjust.
0: Right. You have to figure out which ones are and which ones aren't. That's right. It takes a great amount of wisdom Ah. because just—I mean, I mean—if for the longest time the Western world—and that's probably not helpful because some people well, the Western world has always been oppressive. Shut up and just pay attention. <laughs> it, it, the Western world has always saw justice not as equality, but as getting what was earned, like what was actually merited. Right. right. Which by its very like what you actually earned, getting whether it was punishment or reward didn't yes, matter. Which you right. actually that's earned, right. and. That automatically means there's going to be some disparity because some people put in more effort. Some people have other different – they have different talents. They have different abilities. They have different opportunities. Sometimes they have different opportunities for illegitimate reasons. Like, well, no, they should have the same opportunities. And sometimes they have different opportunities because they just you – know, they don't want those different opportunities. They the choices get made where those, right. certain doors get shut. And so that's the way that justice was always defined. It wasn't defined by equality. In a modern world where we have like democracy and individualism and stuff like that, equality is huge. Equality, the idea, particularly equality under the law. But equality gets pushed out to like an abstract ideal unto itself that all things should be equal. Here is another reason why it's stupid frustrating to be a millennial. Because on the one hand, if a, you know, card-carrying post-third wave pink-haired feminist, there's nothing wrong with pink hair, by the way, I'm just... Whatever. Uh, <laughs> my wife had her hair purple once; it was gorgeous. Uh, it, it, if someone came and heard you, Hodges, there, there's a strong possibility they like Hodges. We don't want men and women to be the same. Of course, they're different. Of course, we want them to harmonize. They just can't harmonize. We want them all to remain men and remain women and do their own thing. We don't want them to all be cookie cutters. We just want them all to be equal in some way. And it's like, well, in what way? In I what th- way? Yeah. I think the way is in power. Right. Like get a quality power. You empower right. right. means being able to do what you want, whatever uh-huh. you want. Right? You can exert your will how you choose. And that's what they want everyone to be the same. You see that's the weird thing. There is an equality where they want everyone to look the same, but it's not like an Orwellian or something kind of look the same where everyone's going to dress the same and do the exact same mechanical things. Over, it may, Maybe it'll end up like that, but that's not the vision. Mao's China did. Was right. That's, that's not the vision. The vision is everybody can do – it's more libertine than that. Uh-huh. Everybody can do as they please, as they want, because they all equally have the power to pursue what they want. That's the idea, which assumes that everybody's going to do their own thing because there's nobody like you, Hodges. I mean, nobody knows who you are. Even you don't know quite who you are. You're so unique and interesting. I mean, you could be a woman for all you know. You know, it's <laughs> like there's – but who knows? You ought to have – I'm confused the, now. You ought to have the elbow room and the expansiveness to just be you. Right. And the only way you can be you is if you have the power to be you,
1: and if somebody else has stepped in and and tries to mansplain for you or to limit you in some way, right. then that some that robs you of that power, and you're no longer able get, to be who or, you, or, you
0: want to be. Yeah, or gets you to um, oh, what's the word like uh, uh, internalized whiteness or something like right. that. Suddenly mm-hmm. you're like you're living someone else's life, or if yeah. you're by someone else's code and terms. And so I, I believe it is it. It's like they want differences and diversity to be celebrated, but they want the diversity to be equal. And I think the equality they're wanting, whether they say it this way or not, is an equality of power. Yeah, Everybody right. gets to be equally powerful to do as they wish.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But the problem is, of course, we're all born into different families and different cultures and different right. economic strata and, and all of that. So we're not, even at birth, we're not given the same beginning point. Uh, so equality has to have a very specific meaning. It has to, it's, it's a good thing, equality. Uh, but it's only good in two particular areas. It's good in, uh, the law under the law. Everybody ought to be equal under the law, treated exactly the same way. Uh, and if there's, if that's not happening, then that is an injustice that needs to be adjusted. Uh, and the other way of course, is that we're all equal before God. Mm. Under God, we are all the same. In fact, Paul goes so, so far as to say, we're there are neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, uh, slave nor free. Uh, none of the distinctions that we have on the surface of our lives makes any difference at all before mm. God.
0: I love that verse. I mean because there was the trifecta right there, like race, class, and gender. That's right. I mean, the Greek okay. barbarian was a race thing. It's also a civilization thing. It was a race thing, male and female, gender, class, slave, and free. right I mean, Paul's like in Christ, those are those are binaries and ideas that matter on like a physical social level but in christ they just don't exist they're, that's right. they're just not a thing that's right everybody is on the same footing
1: that's that's right that's right so if we understand that that equality has to happen there then we can certainly fight for justice in every conceivable way to see that that as that occurs but on the other hand. What I think a lot of times uh, people really want is this power that you're talking about, and that is not never going to be equally divi- uh, equally uh, uh, no delivered.
0: No, can't not even it can't close.
1: be. It can't. It can't possibly be. And the only way that that sort of power outcome could ever be accomplished is if we uh, oppress ourselves or oppress each other. Yeah. Like you were saying, you take away from this side and you give to that side. And who's the guy that gets to take away and give? Well, he's the tyrant. He's the one that's going to be in charge.
0: Right. I mean, that's that's the problem is that this is a question I brought it up before. I've mentioned it before in classes I've mentioned and stuff. It's, it's the question of enforcement. Who's going to make all this happen? That's right. Who's going to empower to take away something from one and give to that because whoever you've empowered is not the equal of the others. That's right. If you imagine like the fantasy utopia of uh, of the modern world, okay, right and left. Sometimes I think there are people on the right, you know, who still have the idea of like, well, we should be able to do whatever. Be in a system where we can do as we please. I just want it set up differently than those Marxists on the left. Right. 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 There's this. There's It's this, the
1: do as you please part that's the problem.
0: Right. Do as uh, Do as thou wilt kind of thing yeah it it, if
1: every man does what's right in his own eyes
0: if you have this sort of utopian fantasy that is of the modern world where everybody gets to be a god in their own right Mm -hmm. you know with their own little universe that's their own little space that's impossible because you have to share space with others which means there's going to be conflict and who exactly is supposed to arbitrate between the gods that's right well, I suppose a more powerful God. I mean, think of this statement, the, like the great moral profundity of, of most people is you can do what you want as long as you don't hurt anybody else. Mm. It's like that little coda there. As long as you don't hurt anybody else, who's going to enforce that? Mm. And, and, and by the way, by what moral standard are you getting that little caveat there? And why should we believe it? Because if the attitude is, well, we should do what as we please and we have to have the power to do as we please, then what if what I please to do is to oppress somebody? Right. But, like, what if we finally all become equally powerful gods and I try to use it to oppress others? Well, they could oppress me right back. Oh, great. You know, this is fantastic. Now we, now you've destroyed all relationship and community because it's just a bunch of people who want to oppress each other or are mad at each other because they were trying to be oppressed but they can't oppress the others. You, you cannot have community amongst gods. We know this from... Right. I think I think that might be one of the hidden messages in like old Greek pantheon stuff that there's always discord and backbiting Boy, and no fighting thing. amongst that. You can't have real community amongst the gods. You can't arbitrate amongst the gods. It's an it's an impossible society. It just can't happen, which is why they, we always hedge it like we'll we still want to kind of slip in some kind of moral penumbra of some kind in the background. Well, just don't hurt anyone. Why? Where are you getting this from? Like, why? And don't tell me it's just common sense. You know, common sense is an arbitrary construction made by those in power. And it sounds like you want to be in power, and this is just your own arbitrary construction. Um. Hodges, it is stupid frustrating to be a millennial because you want to do the ethical thing, and yet our ethics has been just completely eaten up by a bunch of materialists acting like moralists. Oh, very good. All right? Exactly right. There is nothing outside of the body and yourself and there, but there, at the same time, there's some weird Gnosticism about the self. It's this thing that no one else can know mm. but you. And However you – but even you don't know. You're still kind of figuring it out. So if I feel like a woman one day, that's fine. But if next year I feel differently, I should, I should have the ability to go back. Why can't medical technology let me transition as many times as I want? I think that's unfair. That yeah. if I go one way, my body will never forgive me. How dare the body? Well, maybe I'll just—you know—if only I didn't have this stupid body to get in the way of myself. It's a weird kind of materialism that annihilates matter altogether. That well, you push it far And, and
1: uh, the, the futurists are talking in those kinds of terms, aren't they? About getting rid of the body. And, yeah,
0: let's build a let's build a better body. This body is stupid. One that I can adjust to fit my whims. Yeah, things. so
1: that my so that my will can be completely autonomous, not limited by any. Thing, including my gender, my
0: sex. It's just another fundamental contradiction to the whole attitude that it's a materialism, but it still believes in this thing called the will right. that it ought not to be bound by matter in any way, shape, or form. Right. So, right. But why does it have to be a materialism? Well, because material is something you can manipulate. Exactly. If you posit something outside of matter, then there's stuff that you can't touch. You can't touch God. You can't really touch your spirit exactly, or the spirits of others. You can't not, not in like a real total way, but I can manipulate matter. I can do that. That's something I can get my hands on and I can grip. So it's this primacy of the will aided and abetted by a materialism, and the primacy of the will makes autonomy the great good and materialism is the rubric by which we see all problems and goods and ills and everything it's like well if there's nothing but with all that matters is my will is supreme and all that there is is just out there is just matter that we can manipulate and control then we better make this system of manipulating and controlling the matter whether it's bodies whether it's goods and services whether it's culture whether it's you know book publication or whatever we ought to make sure it's as equal in power as possible. It's equal on the will level as possible. And that's the only way to talk about ethic, ethical things.
1: Well, and, and, and the material part of it is that we've reduced every value to the material mm-hmm. to such a degree that manipulating material and equalizing outcomes, really, how much material does each person have, uh, becomes the goal. Yeah. So everybody can be equally powerful because everybody has an equal amount of the material of the world. And then somehow honor and justice and those sorts of things will suddenly Flourish, materialize. Just, but I'm thinking it's really more the other way around. And I think the 20th century, the history of the 20th century, uh, uh, supports me in this idea. It's a little like so that long. TV show Survivor mm-hmm. that's, that's survived for many years. I mean, yeah. it was going on 20 years ago, I think. I think so, yeah. Um, but, the, but the idea is you've got a group of people on the island each of whom wants to be the winner Mm -hmm. and none of them can allow any of the others to, in the end, be a win, be the, a a co-winner. Think about the, the, the Hunger Games is like this too. And they, they find a way to break this in the end of the first Hunger Games movie, but, but you can make alliances and, you know, you can, you can set up teamwork with some to get rid of some others You have to vilify some and be friends with the others. Right. But all the while knowing that eventually I'm going to have to turn on my friends too and figure out some way to to get them off the island and then I win, right? Right. Well, and I think in the same way that's what this picture you've just described of materialism does to us. We may say on a kind of utopian dream level that once everybody has the same material uh, and the same control over the material world, including their own bodies, that they want, then all wills will be equal, all people will be equal, and we'll just live together in harmony from that point on. But the reality is that as soon as I start thinking this way, I vilify some people. The toxically male, for example, right. or the the other in terms of the, of a race or an economic strata or something or whatever we're picking on. Right. The, the, pr- the people that are oppressing me. Well, then I gang up with the people that I feel are on my side in this thing and I oppose the others. And I'm perfectly willing to break my own principles, the principles that I use to hold my side together, uh-huh. against my opponents. Yeah. Right. So, okay, well now maybe I succeed in getting rid of all my opponents and now only my friends are here. But wait a minute, I'm going to find that my will and theirs are still going to clash. And as soon as they do, then that person becomes my enemy too. Right. And I have to put him on the other side of that barrier and, and exclude him and so on. Uh, knocking people off until I'm the only one left. So, and then that's when I can have complete control. But it, I'll be alone. See, that's
0: why I... That's what I'm it's so frustrating to, oh, have, no. to step into the ethical system, and you want to be ethical. You want to do justly and to love mercy and to walk right. humbly right. with God. Right. But the thing is, is that yeah, like that's why I said earlier, that the ethical system is eaten up with the primacy of the will and the primacy of matter. All right, People are like, that's not how we talk. Yes, you do. You talk that way all the, all time. the time. For you, whether you know it or not, the greatest good is that people get their own way. And the way they get their own way is to make sure that materiality is equally distributed in some way. That's right. If materiality was equally distributed in some way of goods and services and all the products that are done and the means of production as well as the products that get produced and consumed, if they were all just equally sort of distributed or the opportunities to get that stuff was equally distributed and equally available, then everybody could do as they please. And if they finally could do as they please, then they would all be good because evil only arises from disparities so right. we have to like make that equal right it's so obnoxious it doesn't allow for the soul yeah. it doesn't allow for the mysteries of the human person how even with it. This, is how, this is how stupid it is huh? it's like if only we could get rid of all disparities and do what we want we'd be happy we already according to their own system the mysterious they the, the ones who buy into this type of materialist ethic whether they know it or not according to they there already are people who exist can do what they want They have the power to do what they want. They're called the oppressors! Yeah, I'm sorry. I got exactly loud, right. I'm sorry. I got loud right there, but yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, if we can, you just be, want to become the oppressor. You just want to be the oppressor. I thought you said that the you, you described like, well, we can just do what we want, and we have all the materiality. You're describing Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: For goodness sake, you're describing people that you probably claim to hate and despise. There was a the, the, Graham Greene wrote a novel called The Power and the Glory. Yes, I know. about the uh, Mexican Revolution. It was when Marxism like uh, swept through Mexico back in the early 20th century? Late, mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, early 30th. 30th century. And it's a story about this priest who was like the example of everything that the Marxist revolutionists hated. He was like decadent and opulent and fat and just sort of lived off the people. But now the revolution's been going on for like, I don't know, a year and he's been on the run and in hiding. Hmm. And now he's skinny and scraggly and stuff. And by a jinky, he has to be a real priest. Like, because everywhere he goes, all the people are like, oh, You're a priest, you can do the thing, right? And so he has to do, like, he has to actually be a priest to ah, people, right? Yeah. Well, he's going around and eventually he gets caught because, of course, somebody sells him out for money. And there's this incredible scene between him and this other character that you keep running into who's this soldier with, like, the Revolutionary Guard or whatever. And he's very proud of his. You know where he stands. He's very proud of his Marxist stance, and he believes he's right. You know that the priesthood and all this stuff is just oppressive, and it kept people poor. And we're going, we're going to feed people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they have they have this discussion with the priest guy. They're sitting there playing cards, and there's a bunch of things that get said. But one thing I remember specifically is that the priest guy asked him, "So what is it that you want to do? Like, what are you trying to accomplish?" He's like, "Well, we want to overthrow all these rich people." You know, get to take it all away from them and give it to the poor people so they can be happy. He said, oh, so they, they can be rich. So they can be rich. He's like, yes. He's like, but I thought you said being rich was what made the rich people corrupt in the first place. Uh-huh. And the guard was like, it, it's not the same thing. Sputter, somehow, sputter, Somehow it's going to be different. It's like, <laughs> I can, you can't say that rich people are bad and then turn around and say the goal is to make everybody rich. Right. You cannot, likewise, you cannot say that... Um, Power is oppressive and tyrannical, but the goal is to give everybody power. Yes. You can't turn around and say that aggression is bad and, hurt and you know and, and toxicifies and things and then turn around and make what's the another commercial that lady made where like it's like about girl power and ends with a girl like kicking a soccer ball and it says, we kick balls. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it. You that's, can't... That's you, the same director that did the right, Gillette. You can't ad. turn around and say aggression bad and then turn around and say we're going to empower people by telling them to be aggressive. That's not how this works. It's going to fall apart. It's not just going to fall apart because the system is going to fall apart. You're not even going to get to the system. What right. you're going to get is people looking at that and saying, hey, that you can't play... Bo- hey, you're like you're cheating. You, people are going to recognize that, and it's just going to balkanize each other from each other even more because they're going to look. Right. At, they're going to see what you're doing. I have never understood, and now I'm on a rant, Aja, oh, So bear with me. I have never understood this <laughs> about my leftist <laughs> collegiate peers. I never understood how they didn't get this. Yeah, they thought that they could do these things. That they could look at masculinity and just deride it and then degrade it, that they could look at whiteness and white people and blame them for everything, that they could look at the Western world and just just crucify it on everything and then turn around and be surprised that people are mad at them. Yeah. Or surprised yeah. that people Oh wait, I'm not surprised. That just proves there's patriarchy because I told you know men that you know they don't really love their wives and children, they just want to oppress them, and now they're mad at me. Well that just proves that they're exactly what I said. <laughs> I never understood. Yeah. I never understood. Like when the. Right, I'm going to go on a tirade. I was about to say, like, when the Wonder Woman movie came out. And it was a really great movie. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of people who I think wanted it to be some kind of you know feminist propaganda, but it was just a great movie, and it was yeah. a great hero character. And there were people who just wanted to dump all over it about, like, you know, if you watch this and you've internalized your own misogyny, it's just androcentric male trash. And I'm just like, how do you think you're going to win the culture or win anybody if that's your attitude? Yeah. I have never yeah. understood it. I'll never understand how you can have a Gillette ad that says, aggression, bad. And then have that whatever, that other empowerment ad that says aggression, good, and act like people are not going to notice and basically call you out on it and not go with you it,
1: on it. I appreciate your rant, but I think the way it happens is obviously a very superficial thought, but it's still the way it happens is there is the assumption that because there was an inequality, yeah. it needs to be fixed. Yeah. And so we're going to put up with this, what, what, what is really subversion yeah. We're going to take a hierarchy and we're going to subvert it. We're going to turn it over, yeah. and in doing that, we're going to get it closer to equal. And there, there you go, justified. That that is hypocrisy justified.
0: Yeah. I think, gosh, it would be one thing if like it was just back to the Gillette ad. It would be one thing if it was like men don't be jerks and be good guys, and that's it. Yeah. But right. to do like men don't be jerky or and aggressive, and then turn around and say girls be as jerky and as aggressive as possible. Yeah. That's yeah. the part that just drives me insane. I know. And it's, it's, oh, actually, no, that's not the part that drives me insane. What drives me insane is when they try to justify it as, well, of course we can. You know, it's like, right, why, right. like, they don't, this is why I said at the beginning, it's so frustrating being a millennial, because you want to be ethical, and yet it seems ethics has been hijacked by insanity.
1: Well, we've done a, I agree, we've done a couple of uh, uh, podcasts uh, where we've touched on this kind of thing before in, in other areas of life, and we, uh, we talked about uh, patriarchy, and I shocked you terribly by saying I didn't think patriarchy was such a bad idea. <laughs> and I, But I tried to define it properly. My, my, and my, my obligatory on. gasp. Yeah, that was really, that was good. I, I knew that many people on the other end of the the phone here are going (laughs) to, the other end of the podcast, are going to gasp the same way, but I hoped that I described it in a way that was uh, different than what people usually mean when they say patriarchy. I want to read, though, I was just remembering this speech uh, in Shakespeare. This is a quote from the play Troilus and Cressida.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, when degree is shaked, which is the ladder to all high designs, then... Enterprise is sick. How could communities, degrees in schools and brotherhoods in cities, peaceful commerce from dividable shores, their primogenity in due of birth, prerogative of age, crowns, scepters, laurels, but by degree stand in authentic place? Take but degree away, untune that string, and hark what discord follows. Each thing meets in mere opugnancy. The bounded waters should lift their bosoms higher than the shores and make a sop of all this solid globe. Strength should be lord of imbecility, and the rude son should strike this father dead. Force should be right, or rather right and wrong, between those endless jar justice resides. Should lose their names, and so should justice Then everything includes itself in power Just as we were saying Power into will Will into appetite And appetite, a universal wolf So doubly seconded with will and power Must make perforce a universal prey And at last eat up himself when, When degree is shaked when we stop thinking in terms of degrees and harmony and hierarchy of, of relations, we talked all year this year about the ordo amoris, the hierarchy of our loves. When those things are shaked, he says, and those things are the ladder to which all high designs are accomplished, then enterprise, any work that we do is sick. We're going we're to fall apart. And how do we manage in communities and schools and brotherhoods and cities and so on if we take away? The idea of degree. Take it away. He says, untune that string. There's my my musical
0: reference earlier. Yeah, okay, that's a brilliant move because untuning it doesn't mean like unstringing it. It means you make it out of harmony with all the other strings. Exactly,
1: exactly. Untune that string and hark with discord follows. And that's how it is. But then it goes exactly to what we were just talking about, which is that power itself is the result of it all. The will to power Nietzsche's will to power is the is the motivating factor for every individual, and if that if we allow ourselves to relate to each other in that way, look at this. Long before Nietzsche, he says, "Power into will, will turns into appetite. Appetite uh, must make perforce a universal prey. Mm-hmm. Your appetite has to has to eat everything, mm-hmm. and eventually eats the it's self, the and the end is then
0: that's the end." Why you got to bring dead white males into this object? <laughs> ah, Shakespeare. That's Shakespeare. I, it's not, it's like, it's just, it's nothing new. Like, this is what a, a real education does for you. And I don't say that snottily, Like, oh, this is what smart people... No, if you know some of your history and know some of your literature, know enough of it, uh, this is what it does. You look at this and you're like, this is nothing new it's got new guises it's got new terms and it's being manifested in slightly different ways but at the same time it's nothing new Shakespeare said it in the 1600s yeah Augustine said it way back in the three or four hundreds whenever he wrote City of God talking about the city of man is defined the city of God is defined by grace and love but the city of man is defined by the will to dominate called the libido dominante the desire to dominate you know, long before, Nietzsche's idea of the will to power wasn't something new he invented. What was new to him was him saying that you know what, you know, you ought, to, your will ought to be the thing that guides everything. You know, taking the thing that was for generations and millennia was seen as argued as bad. That right. doesn't mean people didn't do it all the time, but it was argued as bad. Now we're going to try and argue that it's good in some way. Or that it is, or not that it's good, but that it's the way things are. And if that's the way things are, then we have to learn to work within it. You know, we got to learn to dance across that abyss somehow. we got to learn how to scale the, the, the artifice and the edifice and, like, shape it to our own commands. That's what we need to figure out how to do. And I don't see, and I, like I said, bringing it back around to the things that frustrate me again, I don't see how my peers... My millennial peers, whether they be right or left or in college or not, I don't see how, when they talk about these things sometimes, how they don't get that, that that is at the back of everything. They just assume, well, you should be able to do whatever you want, or your will ought to be free. They assume that's that. That's right. There's th- no question about it. If there's, they assume that the only thing that's verifiable and solid is the material. If you start talking about like the spiritual or stuff, well, that's your own private business, which is another way of saying I don't think that's actually very important. Uh-huh. You know, it's just very uh-huh. secular kind of response to it, which is just a, a very passive aggressive kind of arrogance. And it's like I'm sitting there like you know all these systems that talk about like men a certain way and women a certain way and. Black people a certain way, white people a certain way, and imp- empires one way, and colonies another way. All of them are reductionistic. Yeah, like all of them. This is, yeah, I, yeah. they are fundamentally as because they're ultimately materialist. They're fundamentally absurd because materialism can't even verify itself. Right. It can't even account for thought in, in a way that makes it valid or have any weight. Yeah. But it's fundamentally immoral, and because it's immoral. It, it, it's fundamentally immoral because of the reductionism. It can only take people and reduce them to the material, and reducing them to the material, you dehumanize them. Right, exactly. Right? We may have gone from saying that, well, we're you know, just you know, electrified meat sacks who think we're sentient, to, well, we're products of our material historical forces that have shaped us in certain ways with construct. We've gotten more fancy with what we mean by material, but at the end, we're just reducible to matter, we're just reducible to whether that matter is like our physical bodies that won't, daggum, won't let me be a woman or a man, gum And I try and change it, and it doesn't accept any of the changes I do. I have to be on hormone therapy forever. The surgeries I did, they'll just try and treat it like a wound and try and heal mm. up all the time, mm. dag. Even our own bodies get in the way of it, and yet at the same time, we re- have these concepts that are like, well, to be part of a material historical force is to be affected by these concepts and to be this concept, a male is a concept and the concept means this. Well, now everybody that's a male has been reduced to what you've defined it as right. and there's no room for mystery. There's no room for depth. There's no room for the soul. The, the image of God is just gone. There's no capacity for like the uniqueness and, and, and the both the the terror and the glory, the sinfulness and the the majesty of the human person gets lost, right. and it's immoral. Yeah, and yet they're trying to be ethical on an immoral, yeah. si- fundamentally irrational, immoral system. And I wish I could explain it simpler to them and more winsomely to them. Because I feel like the millennial generation, this may be a cliche, but there's a bunch of the millennial generation who really want to do good things in the world. Absolutely right. They I've really, seen them. You, I know. We've seen them. We know. We really want to do They really care. They don't want people hurting. Sure. They don't want uh, tyranny and oppression. They want things to be okay. This is what happens when you get raised on Saturday morning cartoons. You get good, sound, ethical instincts when you get raised on Saturday morning cartoons, Hodges. The bad guys are supposed to lose. That's, That's right. right. They're supposed to lose, and they're That's all, right. you know, they're supposed to lose. And I, I love that about My own generation. But we have been hijacked by – well, it's not us. We have bought into an ethical system that's been hijacked by materialism, that's been hijacked by something that's fundamentally irrational and immoral. And it just screws us up all the time and turns us into shouty, screamy, outraged snowflakes. Not all of us. that's, that's, that's 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 a stereotype. But I think that's where that comes from, is we really want to make a change, but the only way we're being told how to make a change is in this purely irrational and moral fashion.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right. And when you're hot with the feeling of injustice and you really want to see it accomplished, it, it almost it almost blinds you to the, the reality you just spoke of, that the system that they're asking you to adopt is immoral. You're so convinced that the 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 the, um, the end of your work to bring justice is worthy that you're blind to the means by which we're being called to address it. You see, and we and one of the things you have to learn early on, uh, and maybe you don't get this from Saturday morning cartoons, but uh, you do get it from life, and that is that the ends don't justify the means. No. You can't say because I'm trying to accomplish something good, I will be willing to cut corners and to accomplish it. It just doesn't work that way, no. and you end up with an immoral an, an immoral system to try and accomplish an, a moral objective, and that that. That's inherently, that the devil loves that. Yeah, He loves it. He doesn't care whether you get to your objective or not. Yeah. He even lets you get to the objective. That'd be great, right. as long as you're using immoral means to do right. it.
0: The, the only true fascist in existence is the devil.
1: Yeah.
0: Because I remember Bento Mussolini, I can't remember what it was in his memoir or something, talked about how to be a fascist simply means you do whatever it takes to get power. Uh-huh. Does uh-huh. it? You, you take up whatever is the cause of the day, you take it up. And as soon as it becomes useless to you, you drop it. And you take up the next thing. You wear a million guises as long as it means you win. That's right. That's right. And the only true fascist is the devil because that's, you know— sure like we'll do whatever it takes to win
1: but i think but i think you could say the same thing about uh, about communism say or socialism or yeah. any other system that says i'm going to use you as long as i can get what i want out of it and then i'm going to drop the the uh, the system or the or the issue or the whatever the feminist issue or the racist issue or the whatever it is i'm trying to use to to crowbar power out of your hands right. and for me to be able to take it
0: or the limited government issue limited, or the border limited. wall issue or whatever it is, as soon as it's no longer good. Yeah, I guess the better way of saying it is the only true tyrant is the devil. The true tyrant. Like, that, tyranny is the all better of idea. The,
1: when you take all the masks off, that's who's behind it all. Yeah, the... Yeah. The, the, the I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe, believe in, the in the devil. devil.
0: <laughs> right, it's like the yeah. old idea of tyranny, the rule of the one in his own appetites. He'll yes. do whatever it takes to keep it... Th- the, the only rule is their own appetite.
1: That's right. And that's what Shakespeare was saying at the end.
0: I guess I'm exhausted. Let's. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you got any um, recommendations, Hodges? Yes, I do, actually. I have a book that I want to recommend. Oh, yeah.
1: By a fellow called Daniel Mahoney, and it's called The Idol of Our Age. Hmm. And it has to do with what he calls humanitarianism. And it's a kind of secularized religion of, uh, of uh, altruism. Mm. And it's a very, very well-crafted book that I think touches on even some of the things we talked about today, but many of our past podcasts where we see uh, the difficulties in uh, substituting our own sort of moral system for gods and, uh, and then with every good intention going on to, uh, uh, to, to accomplish the ends that we think are good. By the means that we think are good, Mm -hmm. at the time anyway, or at least we're blind to, Mm -hmm. the very point I was just making. Um, It it explains some of how uh, the social justice movement has come to have such a grip over the church. And it reminds me, frankly, of, and I think he even quotes Schaeffer in his book, uh, where he said, uh, it's not enough to do the Lord's work. You have to do the Lord's work in the Lord's way. Right. And so I'd recommend people taking a look at this. It's not an easy read. Uh, he speaks at length about several 20th century uh, or late 19th century philosophers, uh, including Auguste Comte, the oh. French philosopher who, who uh, established the, the philosophy of positivism.
0: Oh, Comte.
1: Well, he certainly was anti-theology, anti-metaphysics and uh, in some ways the source of a lot, or at least the, 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 the father of a lot of the kind of materialistic reductionism that you've been talking about.
0: So I, uh, I came in without much to recommend because I've been so busy, but I guess I'll just recommend the Shakespeare passage again because that was wild. That mm-hmm. was just It's mm-hmm. a reason, it's, you hear stuff like that and you're like, okay, so this is why I read all this stuff and get into all this stuff because you realize Someone else has dealt with this and someone else has put words to what's going on and vastly more superior uh, in a more superior manner than you have. Right. So it's from Troilus and Cresta, you said. That's right. Uh, if you could find that speech, just read it again and again and ingest it. Print it out and post it on your wall somewhere. Troll somebody with it. I don't know. Just, just whatever. <laughs> just use it. That was that's fantastic. Well yeah said. that's
1: a that's a very good speech and <clears throat> i'm having to give a lecture in uh, february at the labrie conference on uh uh the vocation of the humanities and that's why i'm reading this mahoney book because it's just come out it's a 2018 uh
0: uh book recent publication yeah
1: and uh so not only have there have there been men of the past like shakespeare who have done a good job of Of uh, clarifying these sorts of ideas Uh, there are men presently uh, who are trying to do the same sort of thing and it's great to read old books and it's good to read new ones ones too
0: well that's all we have for today Uh, this has been From the Center and we'll see you next time
1: see you next time